Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash full and get $50 off your first job post. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, August the 14th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by healthcare guru Todd Campbell. Todd, how's it going? Good. I'm really excited to talk about some really high-profile, interesting stories here that I'm sure our listeners are just going to absolutely be <laughs> enthralled with, right? <laughs> and it's not just these stories, because Todd, I mean, when you look back over the past week, the news across the biotech space has just been massive. So many things happening. Of course, most, I think, are snafus, more of the negative sort. But I think with today's show, I'm excited because we've kind of sifted through many of the major headlines that are going on right now to the two biggest stories that I think investors need to focus on. So we've got to first up uh, Novartis, once again, making the scandals headlines, unfortunately for them. And then we'll also dive into M&A on the cancer diagnostics front. Todd, let's just kick it off with uh, Novartis. This is a gene therapy story we've been following really closely, especially leading up to the approval of their landmark gene therapy drug. Uh, Of course, Novartis is ticker symbol NVS. Um, And this is in relation to Novartis and Avexis and their drug that was approved back in May. First gene therapy approved for a very rare but serious genetic condition. We learned that basically the data supporting the approval that we saw in May was manipulated Todd, what in the world does this mean? And even before we get to that, let's talk about this landmark drug just to get all of our listeners up to speed. Absolutely. A couple things. When they did approve it in May, I think we did a show. So listeners could go back to May, um, maybe early June, and if they they want a lot of backstory on on Zolgensma and what's going on with Novartis and Avexis today. And I think it's also important to say right up front that it was only some data, and we'll get to the specifics of what data was involved. But I think that one of the things that investors oftentimes overlook is the corporate governance side of investing, Uh, making sure that you've got people in the top spots at companies that are making wise, prudent decisions and not exposing you to unnecessary risks. And I think with biotechnology especially, that's important, especially because so much money, Shannon, has been flowing from venture capital and other sources into the biotech industry over the last three or four years. And arguably, that's maybe led some to some people who are acting faster maybe than they should be and, and aren't maybe crossing all of the T's or dotting all of the I's. And perhaps that's what we saw here with the Zolgensma. A little bit of background here. Zolgensma is a gene therapy that one approval uh, for use in patients with something called spinal muscular atrophy, which is called SMA for short. And SMA is the leading cause of infant mortality, sadly, in patients. They're unable to produce a protein which allows motor neurons to survive. And this drug has been heralded as just a major advance because it restores the ability to produce some of that missing protein by installing 
a working or functional copy of the gene that makes the protein. So when it won approval, obviously kind of a landmark, revolutionary, game-changing event that the industry covered. Now, fast-forwarding to today, we find out that the drug Zolgensma, the company who um, developed it, Avexis, um, may have fudged some of the data relating to, um, I guess, their production methods or the assay used to evaluate the production methods uh, in, in animal studies, so specifically in mice. The FDA has come out and said, yes, Novartis did indeed disclose that this data was perhaps manipulated, um, but the FDA also chastised Novartis strongly because Novartis is the one who bought Avexis, and they paid $8.7 billion for it. So they own the good and the bad. They own the fact that Zilgensma is this breakthrough drug. They also now own the fact that maybe they didn't do the due diligence they should have done to make sure all of that data early on was up to snuff. And I think this is a huge blot on Novartis' CEO, because if you remember, it was around, I want to say, May of last year that the CEO, um, Vaz Nersimam, was apologizing for the revelation that the company paid Michael Cohen, who was lawyer to President Trump, for this $12 million year-long contract, basically to get an in with the Trump administration. Um, and so that came out. He went on pretty much a worldwide apology tour, promising to change the culture within Novartis and really change the perception of the company. And so he did that. And then he also really started um, just being more aggressive in deal making, which led to Avexis in this $8.7 billion uh, purchase that he made. I think with him attempting to being the one that was behind engineering this entire deal, it's going to be really hard for him to shake that because what you have now, even though it's just mice data that they're looking at, and granted the FDA is saying it, we won't, we don't plan to take this drug off of the market. What you have now is an eroded sense of trust, and it's that trust issue that I think for me as an investor, for analysts, and really for doctors and patients, that is central to being able to follow this company, really wanting to be excited about their prospects. If you're not doing the due diligence, and to your point, Todd, the corporate governance, I tend to become um, much less enthusiastic, no matter how innovative the drug, and really no matter where it falls, just in terms of competition. If I can't trust the leadership and I can't trust the management, I just don't like it. But I think this raises a number of different questions, um, first of which... The FDA said that executives at Avexis knew about this as early as March, but didn't tell regulators until late June. Remember, the drug was approved in May. For me, when was this disclosed to Novartis, number one? Um, and when Novartis knew about it, why did they wait? Novartis, they did come out and say we wanted to get a full scope of the entire picture but still, when did you know about this, Novartis? Obviously, I'm, I'm pretty sure it came after the acquisition, but I have a lot of questions in terms of when they knew about it and do they then now become a part of the cover-up. Another question I have, the FDA has signaled there's going to be some civil, potentially even criminal um, penalties coming with this. So who's going to be the fall guy here um, to take the hit for this? And then what will this do for patients? Will doctors really just kind of put a question mark around the entire package. Yes, it's just the animal model data that they were looking at, but 
for patients and for doctors, does it raise more questions than answers? These are a lot of things that are kind of swirling through my head right now, Todd. This is a very bad look for the company. This is a, the most expensive drug approved, $2 million. I mean, they break that price up over five years. But $2 million for this therapy, it's a blockbuster indication, as we know from Spinraza, which is another drug that's been approved for the indication. So we're talking about huge money at stake. And yeah, the deal closed. So Novartis knew, and they were conducting their interim analysis to confirm what they suspected. And that's why, that's why, Shannon, they delayed it, uh, telling the FDA until June 28th, more than a month after the approval. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I don't know. I, I, I think that this is definitely um, uh, concerning, um, and it's, I, I don't know whether or not we're out of the woods yet. I mean, you like to think that the sometimes news cycle is pretty fast, but this could stretch out because we do have, you know, political season ramping up. And, you know, if you can point to a bad actor and continue to point to a bad actor, why wouldn't you? And, you know, the FDA has said that, you know, this could take several months for them to go through, look at all. They think that there's going to need to be a BLA supplement um, that's going to have to get filed from them by Novartis. They're going to have to review that. Maybe some changes end up being made to the label. They have said, as you mentioned, they're not taking this drug off the market. They don't think this has anything to do with its efficacy and safety in humans. Um, to your point, though, it, it, it raises an important question for investors, and that is that we're only as good as the information that is publicly available to us. You, know, you look at the Novartis earnings conference call that they just had right in July. There was no mention of this. There was no hint of this. Instead, they were just talking about how great the launch was going. You know, and how they were going to start these other trials, and how they were going to expand it into new countries and potentially uh, make it more available to other patients. You know, they, there wasn't even a hint, and all of this meanwhile was going on in the background. And granted, the, you know, maybe their hands were tied a little bit on what they could say publicly. But you know, as investors, we are a little hamstrung because you know there could be things happening in the background that management's aware of that they just simply haven't disclosed to us yet. And again, like I said, all the money that's been flowing into biopharma um, has, you know, f maybe a lot of companies have gotten financing that wouldn't have gotten financing otherwise. It, it definitely is a good reminder to investors that you have to do your homework, you have to do your due diligence, and you have to be willing to accept risk. Because as we just saw, something can come out of nowhere and derail an investment thesis very quickly. And it's not just the small biotechs, Todd. Here you have a company the size of Novartis, who on their best day, um, not only was there a data issue for the company they're acquiring, but now you have really the fallout in terms of how they handled it, which really comes down to more of a management issue. So, I mean, the risk is there, and I think you do need to, as always, uh, invest cautiously, especially in this space. Um, but I, and we've talked about this on the show before, Todd, with the IPO market just being, you know, so red hot, you do have a lot of companies that are coming uh, public that really should not be coming public, number one. And then you have a lot of these companies 
being acquired where the due diligence just hasn't been what it should have been. Um, so I think this is a first of many stories we'll probably hear play out um, really over the next few years for a lot of these high-flying companies. But we will keep all of our listeners up to date on all of that. And on the other side of the break, we've got more news coming. But first, a quick word from our friends at LinkedIn. As a hiring manager, I can tell you hiring isn't as simple as putting an ad in the paper or even posting to a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow a business, it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time. And that's where LinkedIn comes in. As someone who's explored and used the LinkedIn jobs platform, I could say the most useful feature is targeted job promotion. The ability to drive a job via email and across LinkedIn to candidates with the best skill set for the job. This makes the hiring process go to a whole nother level, making it extremely efficient. Things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability. LinkedIn does the legwork to match you to the most qualified candidate so you can focus on hiring the person who will transform your business. Consider that more than 35 million job seekers visit LinkedIn jobs every single month, and more than 600 million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn, and grow as professionals, as well as discover new job opportunities. To get $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash full. Again, that's linkedin.com slash full to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Todd. Other big news happening. Exact Sciences, and that's ticker symbol EXAS, making a big move to become a dominating force in the global cancer diagnostic space, all with a newly announced acquisition. Todd, what can you tell us about who they're acquiring and what the deal terms look like? Oh, how the times they change. It was not that long ago, Shannon, a couple of years ago where people were talking about Exact Sciences as maybe being an acquisition target. Lo and behold, a few years later, they are the ones who go out and cut a multi-billion dollar deal. They're buying Genomic Health, symbol there is GHDX, for $2.8 billion in a cash and stock deal. And that deal is really interesting because it should accelerate Exact Sciences research into liquid biopsy, which is the ability to evaluate cancer and inform cancer treatment using a simple uh, blood draw. And what's interesting, you you talked about uh, just how much things have changed. I mean, it was 10 years ago, Exact Sciences was pretty much uh, puttering along, really kind of on its last legs. But I really got to hand it to CEO Kevin Conroy, who has been able to write this ship, really help turn this company around which, of course, has really been its bread and butter product, Cologuard. Um, For listeners who may not be familiar, you probably are familiar with these commercials with the little box hops on the toilet um, that seem to come on just about (laughs) every hour on TV. But that is their product. It's basically uh, stool samples to detect the presence of uh, colorectal cancer is uh, is basically what it does on a high level. Um, But I mean, this is a a company who's been able to grow its presence. I have to admit, Todd, for exact sciences, I've been watching the story over the past few years. 
I've wanted to support it, couldn't really get past the sending a stool sample in a box in the mailbox. And so for me, I've stayed on the sidelines because I've been wondering, you know, is this a company with a one hit wonder? Yes, it's been doing well, but where is the next phase of growth going to come from? And for me, this deal with genomic health seems to answer a lot of those questions. Yeah, this was a very heavily shorted stock. A lot of people in your camp, Shannon, thinking that why would you not go and just get the colonoscopy? Sure, it's uncomfortable, but you know it's the gold standard for making sure that you're free of colon cancer. The reality, however, is that I think it's up to 40%. It's a large percentage of the people who are above age 50 who should be regularly screened for colon cancer, and they're not doing that screening. And maybe it's because of the cost. Colonoscopy can run into the thousands of dollars. Maybe it's the prep regimen which I've been told uh, can be a little bit rough or uncomfortable. Um, but I can for whatever concur, reason, Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I recently was speaking with someone too who had, you know, they had their colonoscopy and then they ended up having um, some complications afterwards. They're fine now. But I mean, there are reasons why I suppose people would rather poop in a box <laughs> and mail it off um, to find out whether or not they're at a greater risk or not. And, you know, sure enough, there has been enough consumer interest in this product, uh, that sales have just been rocketing higher and overcoming a lot of these uh, objections that naysayers have had. And sure enough, that's put exact sciences into a position where it's generating a significant amount of cash flow. And it's taking that cash and you know starting to redeploy it in these research and development areas, particularly into second generation testing using... Um, things like liquid biopsy, which is really, really a f- just fascinating um, advance or innovation for cancer treatment. I and mean, we talk a lot about how biopharma is developing these, these new drugs that can attack cancer in all these in- in incredibly new ways. Um, but, you know, we're also making these huge advances in being able to inform the decisions that are made by patients and oncologists. So for example, you're able to take, say, genome health test and be able to say, okay, what does that breast cancer that this patient happened to have, what does that look like? And, you know, okay, will they respond well to, say, chemotherapy? Or what is the likelihood of the recurrence of that breast cancer? So, you know, in buying genome health, um, I think that genomic health, I think that one of the things Exact Sciences is doing is showing you why they never changed the name of their company to Cologuard, you know, because they are, their vision is much, much bigger than that. They want to be able to provide a soup to nuts solution for detecting and informing uh, treatment. And I think that, you know, now they have this really powerful platform because they have a tremendous sales force through Cologuard. And now they also have access to, I think, 90 different countries through genomic health. And it's important to recognize, too, that genomic health is a profitable company. So not only is it bringing in additional revenue, spreading out uh, more products to offer, um, but it's also helping to accelerate its pathway to overall profitability longer term. I think they are saying when this deal closes next year, they will be cash flow positive, despite all their investments. Yeah, so this is bringing um, some relief to the bottom line, as well as the top line, because really, for genomic health, um, they've just continued to, to grow. Um, they generated $394 million in revenue and $25 million in profit just in 2018. 
They raised their financial guidance for all of 2019, projected between $448 million and $452 million in revenue and a profit of 56 to $60 million. Um, and for this particular deal, it brings together their R&D teams. They do have a goal of identifying biomarkers across the top 15 deadliest cancers. Um, you mentioned with genomic health, really for them, it's been breast cancer, and that's really where they've been the gold standard in terms of diagnostics. You've got uh, exact sciences with theirs in colorectal cancer. And so they're looking... Um, Collectively, it could be 40% of all solid tumor indications out there they may have the potential to go after. So it's pretty impressive um, just from a financial perspective and just from a scientific perspective in terms of what they can cover. Um, just from going back to Cologuard, company screened 415,000 patients. That was a 93% year-over-year increase and this is a product that has taken off, especially as they secured recommendations from the American Cancer Society and coverage. Coverage was a big question a few years ago as they were trying to get basically on the formularies for a lot of the public payers. They were able to secure that. And also, if you remember, in late last year, Exec Sciences uh, inked a partnership deal with Pfizer for marketing. You talked about their massive sales force. A lot of the numbers that we've seen even on the Exact Sciences end has come from the partnership where they've been able to boost up their sales force, boost up their marketing presence. And that's why we see them all over the TV now. Um, I think in looking at this deal, and I think they even alluded to it in the conference call, there were some questions about what does this deal mean with that Pfizer partnership. In the interim, I don't think it will change anything, but I think there are some ongoing discussions about what that Pfizer partnership could be over the long term as well. Yeah, I think you know for investors who are trying to figure out, okay, so I own genomic health or I own exact sciences. What does this all mean for me? Should I stay around? Should I go? What should I do? Combined company they think is going to have $1.6 billion in revenue and generate $1.2 billion in gross profit next year. That's pretty remarkable. The exact sciences says that the total addressable market for the products they have right now is like $20 billion. So there's still a lot of running room. Uh, I think Cologuard itself only has 6 or 7% market share in colon cancer screaming despite where sales are today. So I like this deal. And I like this deal for another reason, too. We talk a lot about M&A. And one of the things we haven't really mentioned on this in this discussion is synergies. And there's a reason. Don't you say really that word, that Todd many. Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> there really aren't that many, right? I don't have to say the word. They're only saying that we, maybe we'll save $25 million a year from some governance issues and that type of thing. This is one of those deals where truly they're taking two successful companies, putting them together, and there's not a tremendous amount of redundancy uh, or overlap that needs to get or could be eliminated. Instead, it looks like it could be just additive. So you've got this larger, increasingly larger um, scientific knowledge base that they can tap to dominate this market. And like I mentioned, it's a big market, you know, <laughs> potentially $20 billion addressable market. You know, there's competition out there, right? There's other companies who are in the space. I like this deal, though. And frankly, I, I think that Exact Sciences, or if you want to backdoor play it and own Genomic Health, uh, to get the shares and the cash. I, I think either one of them would be okay for investors. Yeah, I like this deal too for investors that are watching uh, what will come next. Deal has already been unanimously approved by both companies' boards, uh, but still needs the approval of regulators and genomic health 
stockholders. Assuming all of that passes muster, companies do expect the deal to close by the end of this year. Um, so a lot to like, a lot to look forward to. I I be. I can say I'm becoming more excited about exact sciences with this deal and with the runway. Um, we'll have to see what comes next, but I really do think it answers a lot of those lingering questions about what's next for exact sciences. So um, with that, I'll be keeping a very close watch on it, and we'll be keeping our listeners up to date on all the latest. And for us, that'll do it for this week's industry-focused healthcare show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is being mixed by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on. Full on.